Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I am Melissa Mason and I know I left you hanging in yesterday's episode saying we've got a very special guest host. I made a very big deal out of it. I don't think that was unwarranted because it is. It's Key Reese. I don't know if anyone out there remembers me. (laughs) Oh my gosh, everyone remembers you. I swear it has been like the scariest thing to fill your shoes. Oh my god. Because so many people are like, where's Key? Oh, we love Key. We miss her. Oh my god, the most recent spiller that I bumped into. Literally, I was in Centennial Park with the Bab and she was running and she was like, Key Reese! And it was the best. My partner was with me and I was like, see, some people think I'm still cool. You were very anyway. cool. It's so nice to finally meet you. I was yes. also saying it's like an alternate universe of meeting the person that hasn't been here, really. It's I know. Strange. It's wild. Well, if any of you are news fillers, because I'm sure that you guys have been raking them in while I've been away, I launched this bill with Laura as a co-host. Indeed. So I'm currently on maternity leave back in April and just coming in today because Laura Brodnick is off. I actually went to message her and sent her a picture and realised yeah. I didn't write back to her message. So, yes, Laura, when you're back from Japan, Rue and I do want to hang out. <laughs> yes, Laura's in Japan and she put up this picture. Did you see her picture of no. this ice cream? So it was matcha ice cream and she said with shaved fish on it. No other commentary. It was just there. And I was like, I don't know if you are saying this is weird or if you're like, this is delicious. I love I'm how adventurous she is with food and I bet you it would taste amazing. <laughs> I feel like it should as well. I mean, they wouldn't be selling it if it didn't. But look, on today's show, we're not talking about shaved fish on ice cream, sadly. We are talking ageism. Thanks to Julia Fox, whose TikToks about anti-aging labels on skincare went viral this week. But first, we have the entertainment news headlines of the day. I have news. What's the hot gosh? I want more headlines. The 2023 Grammy noms are in and naturally Beyonce is out here tipped to break records as she should. She scored nine nominations for her album Renaissance and she's now tied with husband Jay-Z for the most nominations ever at 88 each. I'm going to need her to shove him off that pedestal next year. (laughs) But for now, she's got a good chance of taking the crown for the most Grammy wins. She's currently got 28 and she's tied with Quincy Jones in second place behind conductor George Salty, who is in the lead on 32. So she only needs four. The four that I'm hoping for are Album of the Year, where she's up against Harry Styles for Harry's House and Adele for 30. And as Spill host Chelsea McLaughlin said passionately this morning, if they vote for Adele over Beyonce again, I am rioting. Oh, my God. I'll be there on the front lines with her. (laughs) She could also score Song of the Year for Break My Soul. She's up against a few big tunes, though, like Lizzo's About Damn Time and Taylor Swift's 10-minute version of All Too Well. Also in shocking news, Gail's ABCDEFU, which many might know from TikTok. A, B, C, D, you. 
also got a nomination, which Chelsea's deeply unhappy about as well. (laughs) There's also Record of the Year, which confuses me because it's kind of like this weird mix of album titles and song titles. But Beyonce is up for that as well, alongside Lizzo, Doja Cat, Adele, Kendrick Lamar, Harry Styles. There's a lot of huge names in there. Mary J. Blige as well. So there is a lot of competition, but I do think she's going to break that record easily this year. Grammys take place on February the 5th. So comedian Dave Chappelle hosted SNL for the third time over the weekend and it's his opening monologue that everyone has been talking about. It also spanned 15 minutes, which normal people probably wouldn't do, but he's a stand-up comedian, so he really gave it all he had. And in it he discussed Kanye West's anti-Semitism controversy. Here's a little bit of audio. I saw one news pundit screaming about Kanye. She said, mental health is no excuse for that type of language. Yes, it is, bitch. (laughs) You kill somebody if you're mentally ill. Listen, okay, I don't think Kanye is crazy at all. I think he's possibly not well. So he also noted that historically he's reached out to Ye in the past because Mm. they have been quite good friends, but he hasn't with this specific controversy. It's just right. he feels that it's quite wrong. And while some applauded his intelligence at being able to tackle such a big topic, many felt that his jokes really perpetuated the anti-Semitic rhetoric that's going around at the moment. It's a time where hate speech is up, Mm. crimes are also on the rise, and even the director of Jewish Civil Rights Organization, the Anti-Defamation League, called out SNL for not standing up against normalising and popularising anti-Semitism. Right. But I don't want to get into, and we also don't have enough time, <laughs> whether what he said was offensive. I can't speak to that personally. I know that mm. certain stand-up that I watch of Dave Chappelle's, I take great offence to. I really wanted to get into the last line about what he said, about the fact that Kanye West isn't crazy, he's unwell. Mm. The reason I think that part is so interesting and the reason I wanted to bring it up on the show today is because I think the context with what he said there isn't obvious to your average person Mm. because black Twitter never misses a beat and they have been going crazy since this went up. Two main clips have been circulating. The first is an interview from 2006 that he did on the Oprah Winfrey show. So he had walked away from the Dave Chappelle show, which was on the Comedy Central. Mm -hmm. He had walked away from, I think it was a $50 million deal for a third and fourth season. And at the time, everyone said, you are crazy. Mm. And he talks to Oprah in the interview saying that basically they were trying to control him. They were trying to control the show. They were trying to force him onto medication and he was like I'm not crazy I'm just overworked run down and it doesn't feel right for me anymore there's another interview that everyone's been talking about from also back in 2006 and it's the inside the actor's studio appearance that he did so basically he was speaking about how destructive Hollywood culture could be and he used the example of Martin Lawrence you might know Martin Lawrence he is a black man he is a comedian a stand-up comic he's also an actor Probably I'm going to say the most famous role he had is in Bad Boys with Will Smith. Great movie franchise. Oh, amazing, amazing. (laughs) So he talks about this incident in 1996 where Martin Lawrence, he ran into the streets of LA, he had a loaded gun, he was waving it around in the air basically saying, they're trying to kill me. At the time, everyone said he was suffering from exhaustion and dehydration. We can read between the lines. But here's what he said about that specific incident. So let me ask you this. What is happening in Hollywood that a guy that tough will be on the street waving a gun, screaming, they are trying to kill me. Yeah. What's going on? These people are not crazy. They're strong people. Maybe the environment is a little sick. 
So I thought that that was so interesting because obviously his monologue, he was kind of distancing himself from it, but he tried to shed light on it and make it something that we can inject humor into. I don't necessarily believe it. Yeah. I think I still have a little bit of PTSD from The Closer, his Netflix special where he had a lot of transphobic material, mm. which I didn't agree with. But what I think was interesting here is making a point to talk about and make the point of saying that labeling them crazy isn't helpful, yeah. that we need to also focus on the fact that they are unwell. Yeah, it's also interesting that sort of comment around the environment making people sick because you see this in Hollywood a lot where you have celebrities that are very, very successful and then they, you know, aren't coping, whether they're, you know, burnt out, exhausted, or they're suffering from mental health issues. And people are just like, throw drugs at the problem, let's exactly. medicate them, keep them going. We want the money machine to keep going. And that environment is so, so terrible. And like, I think two things can be true, obviously. Look, Dave Chappelle can have made really messed up comments in comedy before that are just like not hitting the mark and are incredibly below the belt. And also he can have a really, really good point here that he's trying to make. And I think we're all struggling to talk about Kanye West at the moment because we're not sure where we're landing on it because, you know, he's saying these anti-Semitic things, which is obviously so not on. And we have to shut that down. And like you said, like hate speech is on the rise. Crime is then on the rise from that. But then on the other hand, it's like, what is causing this problem for him and, like, where is this behaviour coming from? Yeah, and I think that recently we've been giving that grace to a lot of celebrities when we're looking back with, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and people like Britney Spears who have been like, oh, my God, what have we done to her? Mm. Now, she hasn't done anything offensive. It was very mm-hmm. insular in her situation, but she was also really controlled. Mm. So I think it's important to remember exactly what Dave Chappelle said, that these are strong people that this can happen to. It's mm. not just your Britney Spearses who found fame at a young age and never really grew up past a certain age, right? Yeah. That it can happen to strong people and that there needs to be a deeper thought around it and discussion. Yes, definitely. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. Julia Fox has gone viral. I mean, when is Julia Fox not going viral, to be fair, on TikTok this time with a series of videos about ageism. So she's saying she believes ageing is, quote, fully in and sexy. She came for skincare brands that promote anti-ageing products. And here's a little snippet. If I see another product that says anti-ageing on the label, I'm suing. I'm going to sue. I'm going to sue because I'm going to age regardless of if I put the f- serum on my face and you all know it and we know it so let's stop lying to ourselves getting old is hot okay it is sexy it is probably the sexiest time in life actually because being pretty and and hot in your 20s is the trenches okay and i'm not going back there So these videos are getting a mixed response because on one hand, you've got a lot of women praising her for taking a stand against the pressure that's on us to always look youthful. While on the other hand, you've got people being like, um, honey, you are 30. And Julia had this to say about that, by the way. Okay. I want to address this comment because you're right. 
30s not old. But I literally cried on my 27th birthday because I could no longer say mid-20s. I'd officially be in my late 20s, okay? So this is how deep this shit is for women. So like when I heard this, it really resonated with me. So I'm 36, I'm 37 next year. And I had that experience going into my 30s. I remember for my 30th birthday, I was just so, it was like I was ashamed to be turning 30. I was terrified of my 30s. I did not have a party. I ran away to Coachella. I bought heaps of little bikinis. I wanted to just pretend. I wanted to like rewind the clock. And ever since then, like there's things I love about my 30s in terms of how I've grown as a person, but I still feel that pressure of like, constantly wanting to rewind the clock and go back or try to appear younger or appear youthful for as long as is humanly possible. And so when she was sort of talking about like this anti-aging skincare, you know, behemoth, I guess, in the industry, I was like, yes, I feel like we've started to look at the way we're pressured as women to be a certain way. And we're seeing that shift, say, with fashion in terms of body types that we're seeing on fashion brands, Instagrams and so on, in terms of what we're allowed to wear at a certain age and like pushing against that. I feel like the next one to fall is this idea that we're aiming for youthfulness and not just for like healthy skin, you know? I would argue against it and say that there has been that shift. Okay. I think it's a generational thing for sure. I think Mm. Gen Z totally don't give a shit about aging. Yeah. Anti-aging is not in their vocabulary. And I also think it's important that like on a level there's always going to be maintenance that someone wants to do, right? But Mm. I don't actually think that the pressure that society is putting on us anymore or like really society – big brands that have huge ad budget trying to get that message across. I think that it's like you want to buy into it on the level that that affects you. Mm. I think more people are conscious of the fact that it's not actually going to work, like you're going to have to do something a little bit more invasive if you want to correct in inverted commas Mm. because I'm not about that, but if you are, that's fine. Mm. But I think that we have seen that shift. We're seeing it in a younger generation. We're seeing it in consumers knowing that that isn't actually going to do anything. It's like stretch marks. You know, they tried to sell for years, like, here's this wonder cream that's going to cure stretch marks. Everyone knows you cannot get rid of stretch marks unless you do something like laser, right? Mm. And I do feel that is the same with anti-aging. But I also think that the vessel that this messaging has come through is amazing. I know that people are like, you're 30. She's actually 32. Mm -hmm. It's just really endearing when it comes from Julia Fox because she's not the perfect person to be the poster child for this anti-aging campaign that mm. she is just kind of willing, willingly decided. Put, yeah, she's now her. the face of it, right? Yeah. And in theory, it shouldn't work. She is white, young, even yes. though she's no, she in is, her 30s, yeah. very privileged, thin, have I said all of the things? Conventionally that, attractive. Conventionally attractive. But the reason why it works from her is because she's just a little bit still relatable to us. Yeah. In some ways. Like I feel like she got her five minutes of fame. Yes, she was relatively successful before the Kanye era, mm. as in she had been in Uncut Jams. Uncut Jams. She had been in that movie. And obviously people know her in that kind of New York scene, but yeah. she was really pushed into the atmosphere in her Kanye era. Mm. But she kind of refused to let that be something that she dies on. Mm. And I think that's why she's so relatable because we're always kind of in on the joke of like 
guys, I can't actually believe that I'm here because she's filming from her like very modest New York apartment. There's like a siren in the background while she's (laughs) delivering this. She's just laying on her bed. It's not like Gwyneth Paltrow from her mansion being like, by the serum anti-aging's bullshit, you know, that yes. kind of messaging. Yeah. Like I'm reminded of those tutorials that she did when she was like, guys, here's how oh. you get the fox eye. And then she fucks it up and she's like, oh, well. And then the next one she does about cutting up the denim and she's just like, yeah. okay, well, I guess that's the end of the tutorial. Like <laughs> I think she was the perfect person to kind of get behind this with the popularity that she has now. And I think that's why she's blowing up on TikTok because she can be that vehicle. And I think that anti-aging, when it comes from the right person, even if you're conventionally all of the things, Mm. can still actually have an effect on people. Yeah. I think for me, like I, yeah, I fully agree with you that would this message be so palatable to us if it were coming from somebody who was already aged or who wasn't this conventionally attractive thin white woman who, you know, has already like made a name for herself for making these kinds of like inverted commas wild statements, you know. But I guess for me, the one thing I would disagree with is that because she's 32 and I know people like, you know, that's young, she's young and hot and beautiful, but that is the tipping point. So, because I feel like I... A, as a person, have noticed aging starting to happen in my face. Like you start to notice like you losing that elasticity and you can't fight that with like a firming cream alone, like you're saying, right. you know, yeah. like it's you get to this point where you're like, okay, like I don't just get the luxury of youthful collagen-filled skin anymore. And then you start to critique yourself through that lens of you're supposed to always look youthful and as soon as you stop looking youthful, you're not attractive anymore, which I feel like has been pushed onto us since. Like I feel like the the battle against ageing starts from the moment you turn like 18. It's like once you're out of high school and out of like your teen years, it's like, oh, you better start picking up that eye cream and like fight those fine lines. So I think for me hearing like someone in her early 30s who, you know, is still – yes, conventionally attractive and and still very much like a hot person, saying this is like she's aware that she's at that tipping point where she is going to, you know, naturally age like we all do and you actually can't fight it. And I don't even think you can fight it with, you know, filler and cosmetic procedures because I will happily say I get filler, I get the Botox, I love it, it's my favourite, but Absolutely. The reason I get it is because I am terrified of aging and that's like really sad. And I don't know how I'm going to rectify that, like deal with that within myself. But I guess that's where I was like, yes, I get this because you look at say Madonna, who has always like, you know, been open about doing procedures and just had a lot of work done. But then you look at someone like Jen Aniston, who, you know, just turned, what did she just turn 50? Yeah. And she's the cover with the little Chanel nipple covers. Which I loved. Loved it. But at the same time, it's like, She's always been the poster woman for, look at her, she's 50. We can't believe she's 50. She looks so much younger. Whereas then there's like Madonna and everyone's like, what have you done to your eyebrows? And it's like this such an unfair like line in the sand that I feel like we don't even know where it is. Well, there's a couple of decades between them. So I think when you compare those two, it's it's hard because the work that you do on someone who's later in life is going to be obviously more noticeable than someone in their 50s. But what I think is really interesting is that there are people out there who are conventionally pretty who are older talking about this. Think about Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, okay. She's yeah, the same as Julia Fox. She's just like, don't put that stuff in your face. Aging's a privilege, which I totally believe. But I also think the other conversation that also comes out of Gen Z is like, who cares? Yeah, yeah. Who cares if 
if people want to do what they want to do, we just need to stop being so offended by someone saying anti-aging because there's a market for it. People want to still be targeted for that because they still want to believe that they can. I think it's a cultural thing. I think that unfortunately some cultures buy into it more than others. Mm. I know I'm the only woman of colour in my friendship group and I'm the only one that doesn't worry about ageing. Wow. Because it it doesn't affect me, sorry, yeah. and the way that it does my friends, <laughs> right? Right? So I think there's lots of things at play, but I just think Julia Fox was the perfect person for this. It's a great conversation starter. And don't be afraid to age however you want to age. Well, thank you for listening to The Spill today and obviously the biggest thanks to Key for jumping back on the show today. It's been so much fun. Thanks. I was so nervous, but it was great to be back. It was just like riding a bicycle, just straight back on it. Although I can't ride a bike. (laughs) What? That is wild. (laughs) Like I can, but I'm not very good at it. Okay, well, it's not like like riding a bike. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know the spillers were missing you so much, so it was lovely to have you back and you'll obviously be back next year, which is very exciting. Yeah, 2024. 2023. <laughs> Shit. Sorry, baby brain. Baby brain. <laughs> this episode of The Spill was produced by Gia Moylan with audio production by Madeline Joannou. We will see you at mamamia.com.au and on The Spill Instagram. Bye. Bye.